Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Welcome to another episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Today, I'm very, very excited. I've got a very special guest on. I've got Mr. Tim Harold of Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Tim has been all over the world hunting, and uh, it's just an amazing list of accomplishments that he's had. And Tim, I want to welcome you to the show. Well, Jason, I appreciate you having me. Always love to talk hunting. Great. That's what we're all about, hunting, fishing, whatever fits into the outdoors. Uh, One of the things I wanted to discuss with you today, and I you know, I've watched a lot of your episodes through YouTube or just catch them on the various uh, hunting channels through the years, Tim. So it's really a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, but as we look back, I saw something that's that's in your bio that was really pretty amazing statistic is that you've done turkey grand slams. You've taken over 23 of them. Is that correct? I think it was 25 when I quit, but I, I... I want to stipulate that's nothing that I was ever doing to try to rack up grand slams. It was just, I, I still love turkey hunting, but for a while I was obsessed with it. <laughs> and I just hunted all the time, everywhere I could. And they just kind of accumulated. You know, it wasn't that I, I mean, I know guys, it's like, all right, I want to get 50 grand slams in my life. That wasn't it with me. I was just traveling around hunting and that's what it racked up to be. And I, I mean, it's probably been seven or eight years since I've added any to that because I've kind of backed off on the turkey hunting, but it's still near and dear to my heart. Well, can you remember that first completion of that first Grand Slam? Yeah, it was a a Miriam's was the bird. I mean, I I grew up actually, I mean, I always lived in Kentucky, but we didn't have turkeys in my part of the state for a long time. My first turkey was an Osceola. My grandparents lived in Florida, and I got down there and just met people and started hunting. So that kind of fitted, you know, hunting in Kentucky and wherever I would get Easterns. And then I went and and got a uh, Rio. Actually, it was a fall turkey, but the the Miriams was the last one to make that slam. It was a, a huge deal, you know, back then. And I was hunting at a great place in South Dakota, and my heart was set on one of those really white feathered birds and i had two or three birds come in that i could have killed that were kind of creamy looking and i'd never passed up a full-grown gobbler in my life but the outfitter i was hunting with would tell me every day now if you go out there and call one in you don't like the way it looks don't shoot it which was totally foreign to me but got to sit right next to my dad and um called a bigger bird in first but i could see the solid white one coming up through the pine trees and he came in just perfect and shot him and it was a special day for sure well, is your dad the one who started the hunting bug in you? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I mean, my mom's father was a, a bird hunter and a serious fisherman. My mom and dad both loved fish, and all my family vacations were fishing and that sort of thing. But dad started taking me grouse hunting in eastern Kentucky when I was a little. He raised bird dogs, and then he went every year. Again, we didn't have a deer season in my part of Kentucky, and he would go to Pennsylvania. He had some work 
related things up there and they got him into deer hunting and he got some good friends and he went every year and back then to us that was like he was going on a safari or something <laughs> and finally he he took me up there when i was a kid and i got my first deer and i guess it's been downhill ever since i was thinking the other day that's been like 37 years or something like that yeah once the bug starts it's hard to shake yeah yeah for sure now you're married sure. with uh two boys, correct? Yeah, I have twin 16-year-olds, which is a handful. <laughs> oh, I imagine now does your spouse hunt or just your boys? Just my boys. My wife has been once or twice with me and once to sit with one of the boys and it's not her cup of tea and and that's fine. I've never pushed for that, but my boys do love to hunt. And there's nothing for me as gratifying as going with them. I mean, I would rather watch them shoot a doe whitetail or a turkey than me go shoot a Cape Buffalo. I get more torn up now and more excited with them than anything. And they're getting, you know, they've, they've had lots of opportunities and, and they've been pretty successful, but it's neat to see them now. They're, they're be able to handle themselves on their own and and it's a pretty cool progression yeah i don't know of too many people that once they have kids and the kids take an interest in the hunting or even with a spouse that takes an interest in hunting where they don't all say the same thing that the, the benefit or the enjoyment from watching the other person far exceeds their oh, their excitement i mean if you if you love your family member you know, you're going to enjoy seeing their success more than, than your own. I think, I mean, I, I've known people that have knocked their kid out of the way to shoot a big deer. And I just, that, that's just kind of, you know, so foreign to me, I can't understand it at all. Cause I'd much rather see, see somebody like that. And it, it, you know, in these days, I just get a charge out of watching anybody do something like that. I, I love to call turkeys in for other people. Um, Back in May last year, I took a group of folks, uh, all of them pretty much on their first safari, and one of the guys was a childhood friend I hadn't seen in 25 years from when I hunted in Pennsylvania. We hunted together as kids, and I hadn't seen him in 25 years, and he booked a safari with me and went out, and I got to be with him and sit shoulder to shoulder with him when he took his first kudu, which was his big thing on his list, and I mean, that's a memory I'll never forget. And it had, I didn't have a gun. You know, I had a camera trying to take pictures, but it was just being with somebody and seeing how special a first kind of thing like that is for them. Yeah, and that's I'm going to jump uh, a little bit here because I noticed in looking at your website, that's one of the big things I see on there is the hosted hunts. And it looks like you have yeah. some really neat ones coming up in, in 2017 that people can actually they can hunt with you correct yeah yeah you know this kind of started off i mean i've been booking hunts for years but like myself not many of my at-home hunting buddies want to or can go to africa whether it's you know financial or time off or their wife won't let them or whatever and i'm not just talking africa i mean this could be going to south dakota to mule deer hunt or going to alaska to moose hunt whatever but there's a lot of people out there and i'm one of them that my main friends at home 
can't or don't want to go on that kind of trip. And it's a lot more fun to go with a few guys. You travel with them, you hang out at night around the campfire, tell your story of today, you hear your buddy's story today. And I just had huge success, and I'm, I'm building more into those. And almost every hunt that I've got this year is a hosted hunt on some level. I mean, I'm starting out and going to Uganda in February and Zimbabwe in April and May, and then we've got Ibex hunt in Kazakhstan and mule deer hunts in South Dakota and looking at Argentina next year for red stag, have Romania for red stag this year. I mean, all over. And what people don't understand, some of those hunts are not that expensive. I mean, it's, it's all relative in money, but a deer hunt in Kansas may cost $5,500 or you can go to Romania and hunt a trophy red stag and a huge European boar for $5,500. You know, you can go kill six or seven huge animals in Africa for $7,500, or a great elk hunt might be $12,000. So there's some value out there if, if people look into it. But going with these groups, sometimes we get, we get a discount because there's more of us or, you know, whatever. But it's just always nice to go with a small group of people just to share that experience. And some of these deals, I've seen guys meet on these trips and become lifelong friends. I've met some guys on these trips that I didn't know from Adam when we met at the airport. And we're now going on our third or fourth hunt together, and, and we talk regularly. Our families have gotten together. It's just a, a cool thing to be a part of, and I'm doing more and more of them all the time. Yeah, I was looking at some of the prices, and and I'm down here in South Texas and in whitetail country where, you know, a whitetail can get quite yeah. expensive. And sure. you have a, a Namibian Plains game hunt on here that is is darn right cheap compared to many hunts in the United States. And that's something I discovered uh, when I did my first trip to Zimbabwe was I was able to take nine animals for what a whitetail hunt here in Texas would cost. Yeah. I mean that, you know, I, I know going overseas or whatever can be intimidating if you've never done it for a hunter or whatever, but if you start checking into the values in other places, and I mean, it can be, Africa's great, obviously, but I mean, some of the stuff in Europe and New Zealand and Argentina, what you can get for your money is, is pretty amazing if you'll check into it. Well, and so with that said, somebody dials up World Wide Trophy Adventures, and I'm guessing you and your staff will walk them through all the steps needed from gun permits to renting a gun to even maybe booking airfare? Every bit of it. We actually have our own travel department. So we've got some ladies there that specialize in hunting travel that'll book your tickets. And all the consultants are great working with you from, yeah, step one to, to the final thing. And gun permits are amazingly easy in most places, but we walk you through that. And I mean, if somebody's going on one of my hosted hunts or whatever, you know, I, I work with them personally every step of the way from getting them the right forms to us all trying to book the same flights or close flights or, 
you know, overnighting here or there. We all do it together, but it's, it's pretty much a package deal that we will do as much help or as little help as somebody wants. So there really is a, just a one-stop shop for that to just contact you and you guys will, you guys will take their hand for that first time hunter and walk them right through everything they need. Yeah. Through every bit of it. I mean, I just, I just booked a family in on a, a planes game hunt to Africa and they've never been and they're going by themselves, but it won't be any problem. Once they get on the airplane in the U S every time they get off an airplane, somebody else, somewhere else, I'm going to have somebody waiting on them with a sign with their name on it. And they'll walk them from one thing to the next. And then of course on these hosted hunts, I mean, I'm traveling with the groups. I mean, I stay in the hotel and we all go to the airport together and ride the bus together and, and I've done it enough that I've got it down to a pretty smooth system. So I go right along with folks and, and take care of all those little details. And the, the places that you're going and, and uh, your, your co-owner and co-host Mark Peterson are going, you know, if you ever want to go to Dagestan for a tur uh, or a Dagestan tur in Azerbaijan or, you know, Turkey for Ibex, the, these these names and these places are just absolutely phenomenal. Now with that said, so they get in there, they, they have that hunt with you uh, or any of the other, other folks in worldwide trophy adventures, you handle it all. They come back, you help them with the importation back of their trophy permits and everything's considered done then from their end. They just have to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, we try to make it no hassle. Um, you know, a lot of people are worried about getting their animals back. And we have a firm um, that we work with hand-in-hand hand that takes care of all those details about getting the animal back, the animals back. I'm the ladies at DNL are wonderful and they're sort of our official import people. But, um, I monitor that for all my clients, but you know, we've got a company that just specializes in that. So that's what we want to do. We want to take all the worry out, whether it's helping you pick the right outfitter, because we vetted all of our outfitters and, you know, we know that it's going to be a good trip. Obviously, weather can play a part in a hunt, and there are some uncontrollables, but we know all the controllables, like the hunting area having lots of game, the guides and outfitters having the knowledge, you know, the camps and equipment being in good shape, having good food to eat, all those controllables, we've already gone and checked all that out to make sure it's right. So you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about getting ripped off by some fly-by-night outfitter somewhere. They're all checked out, and that's what we want it to be enjoyable from booking the hunt and planning it, which is a, a lot of people get just as much enjoyment out of that, the anticipation and the, the putting it together as the actual trip, and we want it all to be seamless and fun. Oh, fantastic. So in the show notes for this show, I'm going to have links to Worldwide Trophy Adventures. They can also reach out to you at uh, 800-346-8747, which is to call directly to your company. And you guys will be able to take them and, and help them hone in on whether it be fishing, domestic or international hunting, and help them realize any of their dreams. I, it, 
that's what it's yeah i mean any any hunting and fishing trip and actually we've got some we've got casual trips now i mean we've got a deal going to hawaii now just for vacations but absolutely you can look up the the website or you can call that 800 number that you just gave if somebody wants to talk to me directly when you call that number just have one of the people that answer the phone there transfer you to me um and they can send you straight to my phone and as long as i'm not on a hunt and in the country i'm gonna pick it up and i'll help you what a fantastic deal now speaking of that you've got a new show out correct or a newer yeah, show uh, yeah mark peterson and i were actually in the middle of filming season two but just last week season one of cabela's instinct um finished and like i said we're we're in the process of finishing up season two that'll run here in 2017 and it's it's been great so far is this the second show you've done with mark no this is actually the first uh when he and i got together he was doing a show uh called expedition extreme and we were going to do that together and we decided you know what if we're going to do something new let's make it completely new and you know got a new title and changed the format around a little bit and started doing the uh instinct show got it i'm sorry i i knew i had seen mark on some various items but uh yeah. so we've got the instinct out you've you've got the first season wrapped up you're filming the second season as it goes now after all these years of all the huntings you've done uh when you look back do you even remember the very first ones like do you can you remember your first moose that you took a Oh yeah. Like it was yesterday. Those, those kind of memories don't go away. Um, yeah, I, I was actually filming for, um, TC game trails back in the day. And, and Tom Miranda was producing that. And I went to British Columbia on a, uh, mountain goat moose combo. And for whatever reason, I was hunting with a muzzleloader and had never even killed a moose, but decided I was going to do it with a muzzleloader. And um, just one of those classic circumstances, we got out just calling along a river and a moose answered and he came out of the brush calling back to us and walked up to the edge of the water and started, started cutting the distance. And I think he was going to cross the river and my my guys with me told me to shoot him on the other side because they did not want him in that water and have to do the recovery in the water. So I shot him with the muzzleloader. He took, I think, two steps and, and fell over. And uh, it was just that classic kind of moose hunt. It's still the best calling hunt I've, I've ever done for moose. Oh, interesting. Now, that was, uh, you were in a camp working out of a camp, or was that a float trip? It was out of a camp, but it was tw- it was 25 miles back in by horses in northern British Columbia, probably 100 miles south of the Yukon. And, you know, we flew in and then drove seven hours on a dirt road to the base camp where the outfitter lived. And then we packed up on horses and, and rode basically for a whole day, 25 miles back in. And we just had little little cabins um way out there um you know stoves in them but no insulation and um it it was kind of perfect what you want for a wilderness 
kind of hunt with with horses and it sure made the the mountain goat hunting a lot easier being able to ride the horses a good part of the way up the, the mountain but it was it was pretty much a classic type hunt great so now do you end up uh <clears throat> when you go out into these remote areas have you covered most of the north american big game you know a good portion of it but there's there's certain things i you know a lot of people I always kind of get on me about this. I've never shot a sheep. Um, and for whatever reason, I think they're really cool. And I really respect anybody that goes after them, but I just don't have that sheep bug too terribly. The the mountain stuff, I've, I really enjoy that mountain goat hunt. And I've been able to hunt a few ibex around the world and got to hunt a few more. And for whatever reason, the, the goat family, appeals to me a little bit more than the sheep so i haven't shot any of the sheep i haven't shot like a polar bear and that kind of thing but but most of the other stuff i have okay yeah i think once those folks get into shooting the uh into shooting the sheep that becomes almost a religion to them well it does and you know i part of the reason that i haven't done it i've had a few opportunities is i don't know that i want to get that bug because it does seem to come become sort of an obsession with most of those guys and you know i guess my my answer to that on my end is just going to different places around the world and meeting different people and seeing different areas of the world and i do really love going to africa and hunting buffalo and elephants and that sort of thing it's like if i get into the sheep like that all that other stuff's going to have to be cut out and just sort of on purpose kept myself away from it. Yeah, Africa's a very addicting place. Absolutely. Now, when you head over there for, uh, is it mostly big game, the uh, dangerous game that you like to hunt? or Yeah, it, it has been for for years. But actually, I guess it was 2015. I hadn't been on a an Africa trip and I've been going two or three times a year for a long time, but I hadn't been on a trip in close to 10 years that I didn't have some sort of dangerous game, you know, a Buffalo or an elephant or a leopard, something that was sort of the focus of the safari. And then you pick up some planes game on the way, but I hadn't done one that was not dangerous game in years and years. And I took a group on one of these hosted hunts to Botswana to do a planes game hunt and I was going to do the hunt as well. And I decided I was going to limit myself to shooting my double rifle. Now my 470 elephant guns, a little overkill to be shooting planes game, but somewhat like bow hunting, it made it where I had to get closer to the animals and cut my distance down. And there was nothing there. I hadn't hunted quite a bit. So, and I'm not a collector. So it wasn't about that. It was about the experience. And I went and of course all the clients with me had a fantastic time, but I got to take a kudu at 40 yards with my double rifle and, um, a lot of the other animals and got really close. And it, it was also a good way to get out and hunt with that double and get more used to it and more experience for when it is time to walk in on a buffalo or an elephant. But since then I've done three of those, planes game hunts like that and it just 
I don't know. I, I didn't know that I'd ever really care to do that again after hunting the dangerous stuff, but I have had a really good time. It's just like no pressure and just a completely fun hunt. So, um, this year, my three trips to Africa are all going to have buffalo or elephant involved, but I am putting together Plains game trips for 2018 with some folks. Oh, fantastic. Now, one thing you are readily accessible on Facebook and people can easily find you there. You have a picture yep. on your Facebook profile of you with a leopard. Mm-hmm. He's huge. <laughs> What's the story well, behind that? Is it that was? Um, it was actually the that one is the second one I had shot, and I had this huge leopard curse for years. I I think I went on six leopard hunts before that one, and five I had just been completely unsuccessful, but. To preface that, it was a learning experience because I was trying to take hunts that were really not a specific leopard hunt. You're going somewhere to hunt plains game and the guy offers to let you upgrade it to a leopard hunt. Or I was on a buffalo hunt and when I got there, they told me that there was a leopard still on quota and if I wanted to hunt it, I could that sort of thing. And it wasn't a specific leopard hunt. And I was on five of those without ever getting a shot at a cat. So finally I decided I'm going with somebody that really knows what they're doing. And we're going to concentrate on leopards. And I went to Zimbabwe and I had a nice cat come in, but he was actually feeding on a elephant carcass and he would get behind it and I would lose him. And it was just sort of a weird situation, but I finally got a quick shot at him and I rushed it. I felt pretty good about it, but we didn't find him right off the bat. And it was one of those in, in the dark shot right at the edge of dark. By the time we went up there, it was dark. We're on hands and knees looking for what's probably a wounded leopard, you know, with flashlights. And after about 45 minutes, I talked to the pH and told him I'd really like to back off of this till in the morning because I kept thinking one of these guys in front of me is going to get hurt and it's going to be my fault. And I don't want to live with that. So we backed out. We went the next morning, 50 yards from where we quit tracking. We found the leopard, but two big male lions had found him first and they had torn him all to pieces. There was not much left. So I really felt, then I think that was the sixth time and the next year or the year after I booked a hunt to Mozambique and it was all about the leopard and actually the first time I went to the blind in the morning cat came in I had to watch him from dusk until it got fully daylight so we could film him had him baited on the ground and got lots of good film and I took my time made a good shot and that's the one on the website so that was about a seven-year run to get that picture, I guess. Wow, well well worth it, because that is a huge yeah. cat. Yeah, it was beautiful. He's actually sitting right here beside us where I'm talking to you right now. But, yeah, he, he was a special animal. Well, I can imagine. And I, I can only think, where in? do you remember exactly where you were in Zimbabwe when you shot the first one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well, actually, I'm, I'm going back this year to the same place. Um I was in Donde Safari area um, in the Zambezi Valley um, over just sort of across the river from where Zambia and Mozambique come together. 
Oh, okay. Um, and I'm, t- I'm actually taking a couple groups over this year, and I'm going to hunt elephant, and I've got a good friend that's going to hunt leopard there and a bunch of buffalo hunters and, and actually a couple openings if anybody wants to go with us. But um, I'll be going back to that camp this year and cannot wait. I imagine that's uh, I was well, I was have to get my geography correct. I would have been west of you in Zimbabwe, and okay, lots and lots of leopard tracks. I know that area is renowned for for big big leopard. Yeah, that whole that whole Zambezi Valley has got lots of cats in it, and I like the guys we're hunting with. They've got a ninety six percent success rate over the last you know, 10 years or something like that. They really know what they're doing, but it helps. You go to the right area that's got lots of cats, you're going to get some on bait. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, that's, that's about as close in hunting as you can get to 100% uh, yeah. that you could even right. ask for on a on any type of hunt. Even a Plains game hunt doesn't necessarily have rates. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's what we try to concentrate on. And I, I don't want to make it out that everything is just about killing stuff because it's not. It's the experience. But, I mean, a guy that's going to spend twenty dollars or $30,000 to go on a leopard hunt wants to feel like he's in a place that his success is, you know, pretty good odds. And no matter what the animal is, you know, I want to I want to book people with a an outfitter that's running you know hopefully ninety percent up on any animal that they're that they're targeting, but certainly somewhere you know from eighty five to a hundred percent. And again, that that varies with hunter's ability and weather and all that sort of thing. But the good guys are the good guys, and that's who I want to get people hooked up with, and that's who I want to hunt with. Well, and and when you look at that with the outfitters and so forth. Do you also help hook people up with just the hunting tags? Yeah, we have, I, I guess, the tag application service that most people have heard of is called Tags. And it was something that Cabela started, and when we bought them out, we we got that in the, the deal, and we'd already had a tag service. But we've got a staff of experts that if you want to, start putting in to draw elk tags or mule deer tags or whatever it is, especially in the West, but now it's getting to be applications in all kinds of states. We have experts there. They'll do all the applications for you, all the paperwork. They'll tell you what areas they want to put you in for. And then the great thing is when you draw that tag, you don't have to, but we've got outfitters already lined up to take you on that hunt of a lifetime. Now, if you want to go out and hunt on your own and do it yourself, we help you get that tag. But for the guys that want a good outfitter, if they've waited a few years to get a, a premium tag, we've got all that lined up. So, again, it's a one-stop shop. But we have got some guys that, I mean, that is that is their business. They know what areas and how to draw the best tags, when to draw the best tags, and and they're experts in that. Oh, fantastic. So if that person in Florida or Virginia or wherever has always dreamed of going to uh, Arizona for elk, not only can you fill them in on that, but discuss maybe Utah or New Mexico and the odds there, and then start to work with him or her on a game plan to get that tag that they they would need. Yeah, the, the guys basically put together a portfolio for you, you know, and I mean, you may just be building points for Iowa whitetail, 
that's going to take you between one and four years to draw, or you may apply for every sheep hunt in the United States and every elk hunt. You know, it runs the gamut of it, but again, they're experts at that and they'll advise you. And I mean, if it's a deal that you just want to draw a tag every few years to get more hunting in, they can tell you what areas to do that for. If you want to put in, like I've got 13 or 14 elk points in Arizona right now, and I'm going to wait till I can draw the best unit in that state. And it may take me 17 or 18 years, but they can tell you that. And they can tell you when the best areas change and all that sort of thing. So they're just a wealth of knowledge. And I mean, I used to put in for myself in all those states and thought I knew what I was doing until I got talking to our guys. And now I let them handle all mine, you know, in all the different states because they are the experts and they, they know more than I do. Well, it makes sense. If you've got a job that keeps you busy, a family that keeps you busy, that's just one less thing to have to track. And if you guys are going to do it uh, for the hunter and help them set up a game plan, it's literally a no-brainer. Well, and another big benefit is we foot the bill for the, the tag application. Like, And I'm going to make up numbers. These probably are close but not right. But let's say you were going to apply for a desert sheep tag in New Mexico. You might have to put up $2,000 for that tag just for the application. Now, if you don't draw, they give you your money back. But we put that money up for you. So you don't have to be out of pocket. I mean, I know guys that apply for every tag going for, you know, moose, sheep, mountain goat, elk, mule deer, Arizona, or antelope, sorry, all over. And a lot of these make you front the money and they're going to return it to you. But these guys may have twenty dollars or $25,000 out you know, at this time of year on these applications. And with our service, we put that tag money up. I mean, you pay if there's an application fee. And I mean, some places it's $5, you know, for the actual applying. And some places make you buy a license in that state to do an application. And there are some small costs, but the, the big ag part of it we front that money so you don't have to keep up with what state owes you and have you got your refund check plus you don't have to have all that money out of your pocket so that's a that's a big part of our services oh that's huge putting that money up front for you yeah wow so it's really uh, again i'll have the the contact information for worldwide trophy adventures in uh, the show notes here but it, it it's really especially if you're looking at any of those harder to draw tags there isn't a reason you wouldn't contact, you know, you and any of your staff to get the ball rolling. I, I can't see a reason why you wouldn't do it unless you just don't want to get drawn. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it's it, it's going to up your odds just using our knowledge, but it's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of money in the long run. Now, this is show season. You are going to be at the Dallas Safari Club show here in early January. Yep. I'll be there the whole time, and um, I'm actually, we don't have a booth at that one. I'm just kind of walking around meeting with people and outfitters, so if if anyone wanted to get a hold of me for that, probably the best thing to do is go on Facebook and send me a, a message, but I'm happy to sit down and, and talk to anybody about any kind of trip. 
Um, I'm going to be at the Sheep Show in Reno later in the month, and then I'll be at the Safari Club International Convention the first weekend of February in uh, Vegas. So you guys do you part you hit up with all the big shows? Yeah, I mean we're going to have a booth at the Sheep Show, uh, the Grand Slam Club Ovis Show at SCI at the National Wild Turkey Federation's convention. Um, I think we may be doing Harrisburg or Harrisburg, I'm sorry, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania show. And then we had uh, in December the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's elk camp that they had for 10 days in Vegas. We had guys out there. Oh, and also the big um, Western Expo out in Salt Lake City in February, we're going to have a booth there. So we're hitting a lot of the big shows. We have different staff sort of going to different shows and, and rotating around, but we're going to have hunting and fishing and travel experts at pretty much all of them except Dallas. And then I'll be there if somebody wants to meet, meet up there. Well, that's even better. If, if there's not a booth at Dallas, they can pick your brains pretty hard and then turn around and, and call your staff and, and be good to go. Yeah, we can do that. And I mean, if somebody gets interested in a certain hunt we're talking about, I mean, a lot of outfitters I work with will be there. I mean, we'll go over and sit down and I'll introduce you to the to the outfitter and we'll sit down. I mean, we can get a hunt taken care of right there on the floor. No big deal at all. And I'm ha I mean, that's why I'm going. I, I want to meet with I've got a number of clients I'm meeting with and a number of the outfitters. And and I, I like that format of just kind of floating around and people get a hold of me and we'll sit down and chat and it's it's pretty laid back and if we want to go meet an outfitter we don't really have a time schedule oh great yeah that's that's yeah, a great way to do it and I'm, i want to look at something here and ask you just a, a little bit of a side note off of off of hunting but i sure it travels into hunting and, and i'm really appreciative of the time you've given me today tim it's it's been very knowledge you know very interesting and a lot of good information um i know you're a man of faith how has that played through your relationship with god and building your business in your interactions with your customers your your friends how does that carry through on your day-to-day -day life and and just overall how's that helped tim keep centered well i tell you what i mean for starters you know i, I always looked at some of the opportunities that i've had and you know i've been able to hunt and fish all over the world and see so much of the world and, you know, do what's a dream job to most hunter and fishermen. And I'm nobody special. I, I mean, I always said, why did I get lucky to do this? You know, I haven't done anything to deserve it or, or anything like that. But I, I do speaking engagements at, at churches for wild game dinners or just if somebody wants a, a speaker in there, I, I do that whenever I get a chance. And I came to the conclusion that, that God had given me some of these opportunities to do the things that I've done to meet people. Then I've, you know, been on TV for 10 or 15 years and written hundreds of magazine articles. So a few people know who I am. And then if they know I'm a Christian and want me to come to a, a church if I can bring God's message to one person, then 
that was my purpose. And I honestly believe that that's why God's let me do so many cool things is to, to be able to get out there and occasionally, you know, tell folks what he's done for me. So, you know, I feel like any opportunity I get, I need to do that. He's blessed me so much that that's what I'm supposed to do. And as far as everyday, you know, business and all that, it's just, I, I, I'm by no means perfect as no one is, but I just try to be honest and in business do things the right way because that's what God wants us to do. And that's his example. And I've left businesses and I've left business situations that I could have probably benefited more personally from, but I didn't feel like things were being done honestly or feel like they were being done right. And I didn't want to be part of it anymore. And I feel like it may be not in the short term, but definitely in the long term, if you do things right, it's always going to come back and, and you'll benefit from it. And you're just supposed to do things right. (laughs) So, you know, that, that's my model day to day. I, you know, when people call me up, I'm not going to put a hard sale on them and, and try to push a bunch of stuff on them about a hunt, I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them the good parts of it. I'm going to tell them the bad parts of it. And, you know, they can make a decision at that point. But that's the one thing. I mean, my business is about people trusting you and it's your word. And that means everything. So, you know, that means a lot to me. I want to, I want to keep everything honest and most of the guys that booked the first hunt or two with me, that's all it takes. Then they trust me and they call me back and say, Hey, I want to go do this. I tell them who to go with and it's done, <laughs> you know, but, um, if it didn't benefit in business, that's how I want to live. So it doesn't matter. Well, that's, that's all you can ask for when you're dealing with any business, but especially one where you're traveling and in certain situations, you're putting that life in that person's hands based upon potential locations that may or may not be as friendly as, as others. Not that you're going to send somebody right. into a, a dangerous situation, but uh, it, it's, it's all based upon trust. Can I trust you to give me at least the best type of experience? Uh, and, sure. and that's what I've gotten from the years of watching your show, the listening to your, your, or reading your articles, I'm sorry, and uh, watching the different things on the television, YouTube, wherever it may be, that you're just a stand-up guy. So uh, I look forward well, to Well, I've always you. been one of those guys on TV that I, it's not ego for me. It's not about how many people know my name or whatever like that. It's just I loved getting to go out there and share some of my adventures with people. But I'm the guy that will always show you if I miss. And if you followed me very long, you know, I, I miss a, a fair amount. I mean, I, you know, but I want to be honest about it. We all miss if we shoot very much and I try to make the best shot possible, but I'm going to, I'm not going to cover that up to try to make myself look better or whatever. I mean, it's just with me pretty much what you see is what you get. And that's how I want it to be. I'm the same guy. If we go hang out and talk about going on a hunt, at the Dallas Safari Club as I am the guy that's on TV or the guy that's sitting in my house. I'm you're getting me 
all the time. And, you know, I, I am who I am. Well, that's great. And this is one of the things I saw years ago on a video with you. And this is, I think this is where I, I, I said, okay, I'm a, I'm a Tim Harold fan was I saw you turkey hunting and you were covered up and you had your gun up and there was a Tom coming in and you just said to the Tom, good morning. And he looked over at you <laughs> and you popped him. And I said, now if somebody's got that kind of sense of humor, because turkey hunters can usually be pretty darn serious when they're out there in the blind. And if he's telling that bird, good morning, before he pops him, that's the kind of guy that I think will really take good, you know, is just a funny guy. Well, I can't take all the credit for that because a good friend of mine that's an outfitter in Oklahoma used to do that all the time. And I kind of stole it from him. And, you know, you get a turkey coming in strutting and some of them, you can't ever get them to come out of strut. I called a bird in for a guy here in Kentucky once. And it was his first bird and I could not get it to come out of strut. So I said, he's going to pop his head up. You need to be ready. So I said, good morning to him. He shot it and it was on TV and got tons of response from it. And we laughed there and had such a good time with it. I started doing that to a lot of turkeys and it just, you know what, you can't take yourself too seriously and we're out there to have fun. And that always makes it a little bit more fun. Well, that it does. Well, Tim, I really thank you for your time. I thank you for not only sharing about your business, but some of your first hunts, a little bit about your family, and most importantly, a lot about your faith. And uh, I, again, I can't emphasize enough to my listeners, contact Tim, get out there. As the hunting lands get harder and harder to locate for just somebody to walk in, uh, it takes really an expert who can get you in those good areas, get you where those good tags are. It's not a always an easy endeavor anymore for some of the western big game i thank you for your time and sharing about your hunting business about your your past successes your family most importantly your faith and how you'll be able to get the hunters out there get them in the field and help them navigate what can be a difficult process of finding those great areas to hunt well i appreciate you having me on and taking the time to to chat today i've enjoyed it and you know as we talked about, there there are way more important things in this world than hunting, but to all of us that do it, it ranks up there pretty high, and that's what we, all of us at WTA, are there for, is to, to help make folks' dreams come true, and if I can do it personally, I mean, feel free, shoot me an email straight to me, give me a call, get a hold of me on Facebook, whatever I can do, that's that's what I will do, and we will do our best. Well, Tim, I really appreciate everything. I don't want to be yep. taking up a bunch of your time. I will see you in Dallas. I'll look for you. Um, I'll be probably over bugging Dan and Charlotte Catlin. Yeah, well, I'll be around there a lot. And quite honestly, a lot of the, like if I'm meeting people, a lot of the time what I do is say, meet me at the Wildlife Gallery booth. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we'll go sit down either there or there's always that little bar and tables in front of them or whatever. But I'm in and out of there a ton just because everybody can find that. Yep. And and that, that's a lot of times my meeting point. So yell at me, send me a message, send me a text, whatever, and we'll get together. Sounds good. You have a great day. Yeah. You have safe travels. And, uh, again, thank you for your time. Okay. You too. Take care. Take care, sir. Bye.
was near The Peter boys, they start to demonstrate Walk around waving signs Screaming in rhymes And spewing insults in our face themselves tree huggers well I don't think that's right when they come up to me I use my freedom of speech and tell them what's on my mind I'm a real tree hugger no candy ass youngins gonna tell me that hunting ain't right I take my climbing stand my gun in hand and climb a tree when the season is right me a killer. Well, the good Lord says it's fine. He said a rice killing eat. It's good enough for me. It's a tree hugger. Well, I Sushi. 